Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments of the Morning radio program. Together as the Yahashem, and I'm sure you're 
שומעים לא תשכח בוך, לא, לא, לא תשכח. מצור לך עמונק, לא תשכח. מתחת שומעים לא תשכח בוך, לא, 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 לא תשכח. מצור לך עמונק, תצור לך עמונק, לא, 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 לא תשכח. מתחת שומעים לא תשכח בוך, לא, 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 לא
In the AM, Benny Friedman, Purim Medley, a combination of some Timchas for this uh, Shabbos Zohar, where we say Timcha Zecher Amalek, and I do admit that uh, <laughs> some parts of the first half hour of JMN this morning did sound like Vinahapohu, because we had a technical problem, which fired off a million different files at different times. I think things have settled down a bit. I hope I'm right. <laughs> you heard Mordechai and David's Timcha, Yehuda Glantz with Timcha, Arla Samet's Timcha, David Gabe's Timcha, brand new music of Baruch Levine, Ashrei Ayin, in the name of that selection, of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday. It's Erev Shabbos Zacher. Can you imagine? Make sure you know when Zacher is read in shul tomorrow, especially for those who are uh, inclined to go for Torah reading and maybe not as inclined to be there uh, on time for services. So make sure you know when things uh, are happening uh, tomorrow in synagogue. It's the 3rd of March, the 10th day in the month of uh, Adar. Uh, We have Atanas Esther, the fast of Esther on Monday. We have Purim Monday night and Tuesday. We have Shushan Purim Wednesday. Got a lot happening. Got a lot going on. (laughs) <laughs> and uh let's see candle lighting time 529 here in new york yeah candle lighting time on this erev shabbos parshas titzave erev shabbos zohar is um 529 here in new york and uh make sure you know when things start where you are big week coming up fun week coming up i hope it'll be a great week for everybody coming up Mir 
as we get ready for Shabbos Zohar and Tanis Esther and uh, Purim and Shushan Purim. Lots to celebrate. Lots happening. And uh, like I said, I hope uh, I hope plenty of wonderful things are happening in your lives during this month of Adar. After all, what do we say? Mishnechnas Adar Marbim Besimcha, right? When we uh, enter the month of Adar and experience the month of Adar, the joy increases. And let's hope that's true across the board for everybody. JM and the AM, good morning. Malcolm Holine, an hour from now. He is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll discuss uh, the events of the week with him here at JM and the AM. Um, Harry Rothenberg, a segment, uh, the Rufua Shlema for Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. That happens at about 7.10 this morning on Parshas Titzava and Shabbos Zohar. Rabbi Yudin coming up at 8.15. He'll speak about this week's Parshios and, of course, about Purim as well. Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. You can imagine how amazing it is this week with Shabbos Zohar and everything. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, and that's happening at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and I hope that You've utilized the Erev Shabbos show and our Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem and our Erev Shabbos uh, final hour, which will be on at about 4.30 today. Uh, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. I hope you've used all of those great segments to enhance your Erev Shabbos so that you go into Shabbos with a, uh, with a pretty amazing feeling and a whole load of spirituality and Connection to the one above. I hope you've experienced all of that. The weather looks pretty good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks like we're expecting uh, sunshine and partly cloudy weather most of today. Tomorrow, oh, we do expect rain for Shabbos. Apparently, the rain is going to start in this area sometime tonight, right around Minchamarev time, <laughs> right around Kabbalah Shabbos time tonight. The rain is supposed to start. And that rain will be uh, on and off until uh, around the time uh, people are drifting over to shul tomorrow. I didn't realize that. So we have what could be a rainy Shabbos coming up. Hmm. All right. We will try and adjust accordingly. As difficult as that may seem. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Feel free to do so. Uh, you saw her drawers out with a brand new album. Started playing this yesterday. This is a uh, an Erev Shabbos selection off of that collection. The collection is called Yachid Bimalucha. This is called Bowie Kala. And you're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos edition of JM in the AM. Shalom Ateret Bala Gam Besimcha Uvetzahola Tochemune Segula 
was short and fat and rode out of the west with a Mogan David on his silver vest. He was mean and nasty right clear through, which was kind of weird because he was yellow too. They called him Irving. Big Irving. Big short Irving. Big short fat Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the west. He came from the old bar mitzvah spread, schlepping a salami and pumpernickel bread. He always followed his mother's wishes, even on the range he used two sets of dishes. Irving. Big fat Irving. Big sissy Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the West. A hundred and forty-one could draw faster than he, but Irving was looking for one forty-three. Walked in the salt saloon like a man insane and ordered three fingers of two cents plain. Irving. Big fat Irving. Big sport Irving. The hundred and forty-second fastest gun in the West. James boys was coming on a train at first sun and the town said, Irving, we need your gun. Well, that train pulled in at the break of dawn. Irving's gun was there, but Irving was gone. Irving. Big fat Irving. Big help Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the West. Well, finally, Irving got three slugs in the belly. It was right outside the Frontier Deli. He was sitting there twirling his gun around, and Butterfingers Irving gunned himself down. Irving. Big fat Irving. Big dum-dum Irving. Big dum-dum dead Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the West.
Next case, Mrs. Esther Feldman. Coming, Your Highness. What can this court do for you, Mrs. Feldman? I'll tell you what this court can do for me. Could give me a divorce for my Jaime. A divorce? How old are you, Mrs. Feldman? I should live and be well. Uh, but 10 days after next Hanukkah, I'll be 84. Ken horror, Mrs. Feldman. Tell me, how long have you been married? 58 years. 58 years and you want a divorce? Why? Why? Enough is enough. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. Yes, yes, yes. Enough is enough, as uh, Mrs. Feldman says. Uh, it's Adar, and we're celebrating because guess what? This coming uh, Sunday night... Oh, excuse me, this coming Monday night is Purim. Monday is uh, Tanis Esther, the Fast of Esther. A uh, day to prepare for the big holiday. Then Monday night, everyone will be uh, gathering for Megillah. We'll start saying Al Hanisim Monday night. And uh, we'll get ready for Tuesday Purim and Wednesday Shushan Purim here at JM in the AM. Before the um, comedy segment, you heard uh, DJ Kraz and Bensi Marcus with Modaani, Matt Dub, Barry Weber. And Shmuley Unger together with Va'ani, that's brand new. Purim, brand new from Yoni Z. Yisachar Dove, or Yisachar Drawer. I don't know why I keep saying Yisachar Dove. Yisachar Drawer with uh, Bowie Kala. And uh, that opened up that set. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. There are news from Israel coming up and plenty more, of course, on a Friday. In hour number two this morning, Malcolm Honline, executive, I should say, vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us coming up in hour number two here at JM in the AM with what we call the weekly update. Um, Harry Rothenberg in hour number two in a segment dedicated for Rufur Shlema for Ruchama Chana Etol Baschava Ruchama Chana Etol Baschava third hour this morning Rabbi Yudin of course not only on Tetzave and Shabbos Zohar but Rabbi Yudin will discuss the holiday of Purim as well so that'll be uh, quite a segment starting at around 8.15 this morning here at JM in the AM so plenty as you hear going on Plenty happening. Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek on this Erev Shabbos Tetzava. Erev Shabbos Parsha Zohar is coming up at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. All day, our Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Starts at 9 o'clock at 10 o'clock, or I should say rather at 7 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday. It's JM Sunday with Matis. Join Matis for uh, that live show this coming Sunday. Um, Monday, as I said, is uh, Tana Sester. And Purim, we will preempt uh, whatever programming we normally have to present amazing Purim music all day long after JM in the AM. So keep that in mind. It'll enhance your Purim and your Purim Suda. That I can guarantee you. Khalid Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from JM the M. Khalid Sal, Shalom Rav, Baulpan, Iran, Kurtzim, Mashikor, Achshav. 
תאונות הדרכים. ילד בן עשר נפצע באורח קשה כשנפגע מרכב בעת שרכב על טרקטורון חשמלי ברחוב אלברט איינשטיין בנתניה. חובשים ופרמדיקים של מגן דוד אדום טיפלו בו במקום ופינו אותו לבית החולים לניאדו בעיר כשהוא סובל מחבלת ראש. ידיעה שמסרה כתבתנו אנה פינס. תאונות העבודה הפועל בן 49 נהרג בצהריים כשנפגע מחפץ כבד במפעל בפרדס חנה כרכור. צוותים של מגן דוד אדום ביצעו בו פעולות החייאה אך ללא הועיל והם נאלצו לקבוע את מותו. כתבתנו לענייני עבודה ורווחה, מאיה שוקן מוסרת שזהו הפועל ה-17 שנהרג בתאונות עבודה מאז תחילת השנה. בתאונה נוספת נפצע קשה פועל בן 50 כשנפל מגובה של חמישה מטרים בעבודתו במועצה האזורית חבל מודיעין. הוא כונה לבית החולים שיבא בתל השומר. ובשטח חקלאי סמוך לקיבוץ העוגן פועל בן 42 הוקש על ידי נחש. הוא פונה במצב בינוני לבית החולים הלל יפה בחדרה. דלקה משתוללת מאז שעות הערב אתמול באתר הפסולת המרכזי בעזה וברצועה מזהירים מפני אסון סביבתי ובריאותי כבד. אתר הפסולת שוכן מדרום מזרח לעיר עזה כארבעה קילומטרים בלבד מגדר הגבול עם יישובי העוטף. עיריית עזה פנתה לגורמים בינלאומיים בבקשה דחופה לסיוע וללחץ בינלאומי על ישראל להסיר את המצור כלשונם. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי. חרס עתיק שנמצא על ידי מטיילים התגלה כמזויף. השבוע הודיעה רשות העתיקות שחרס עתיק בן 2,500 שנה ועליו כתובת בארמית הכוללת את שמו של המלך הפרסי דריווש הראשון, אביו של אחשוורוש, התגלה על ידי מטיילים בתל לכיש. כעת מסתבר שהכתובת שהוגדרה כתגלית נדירה הושארה באתר על ידי חוקרת מחול שהדגימה חריטת כתובת על חרס לקבוצת תלמידים. כתבתנו ענבר פייבל מציינת שמרשות העתיקות נמסר כי הם לוקחים אחריות מלאה על האירוע ויחדדו את הנהלים עבור משלחות חפירה זרות. מזג האוויר, ירידה בטמפרטורות אכן עדיין גבוהות מהרגיל ברוב אזורי הארץ, מחר יהיה דומה. אלה החדשות.
Ahai, 
Iru Hiboiti, Iru 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 Anaivel, Anaivel Vetinoi, Uiru Sukhar, Iru 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 Hiboiti, Iru 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 Anaivel, Anaivel Vetinoi, Uiru Sukhar. J.M. and the A.M. Nigun Rikud, done by uh, Avram Shmuel Weeder. A Frish Ton 7 is the name of that album. It just came out this week, or at least uh, we just got it this week here at J.M. and the A.M. Candlelighting in New York is 529. 529 Candlelighting in New York on this Arab Shabbos Parshas Tetzava, Arab Shabbos Zohar. Make sure you're in shul tomorrow. The reading of uh, Parsha Zohar is, in fact, a mitzvah from the, excuse me, a mitzvah from the Torah to hear the reading. So make sure you are in synagogue tomorrow. If you're not familiar with any of these practices, you could consult your local rabbi. And um, get ready for what hopefully will be a very, very nice and peaceful Shabbos Tetzava Zohar. Uh, before that, Nigun Rikud heard Sholi brand new with his start. I met him last week. What a nice gentleman. And I had just played the brand new song that morning, which is so, so, so cool. I love when that happens. Uh, David Nolman's Adar selection opening up the hour here at JM in the AM. A uh, Friday morning broadcast with Malcolm Homeline coming up, or by Uden, of course, in hour number three this morning here at JM in the AM as we get set for this very special Shabbos. Uh, Harry Rothenberg has something to say regarding Parshat Tzitzavah and Shabbos Zachar. Uh, Harry Rothenberg's words this morning, the uh, Refua Shlema. Well, sorry about that. I should make sure our audio is what it needs to be. There we go. Um, Harry Rothenberg's words this morning uh, for Refua Shlema, dedicated for a Refua Shlema, a speedy recovery for uh, Ruchama Chana Etel. Baschava, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. At the very beginning of this week's Parsha, we're told that the oil for the menorah in the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and then later in the base of Mikdash in the temple, has to be from olives and has to be the purest of the pure. The sages explain that means that it can only be the first couple of drops pressed from each olive. What's interesting is that there's a different law for the flower offerings that were brought in the Mishkan and then in the temple. Those also have to be from olives. They also have to be pure, but not the purest of the pure. They can be from the third, fourth, fifth drop, etc. One commentator says we can tease out a beautiful lesson from these differences in those two laws. The light of the menorah represents the Torah. It represents spirituality. When it comes to spirituality, spend the extra dollars. 
don't cut any corners. Insist on the best. But when it comes to physicality, represented by the flower offerings, most of which were eaten, not only do you not have to spend the last dollar or the extra dollar, but it's a good idea not to. You should exercise restraint with respect to your personal consumption. And if we're honest with ourselves, and I'm speaking to myself as much as to anyone out there, do we do that? Do we prioritize spending on the commandments versus spending on ourselves? Back in the day, if a guy wanted to wear a custom suit, it wasn't so easy. I had to get on a plane, fly to London, go to Savile Row, hope to see James Bond in the waiting room. Now, it's much easier. All sorts of custom options, and you can customize anything on a guy's suit. The buttons and the lapels and the belt loops and the lining, you name it, you can make it yours. Fully bespoke. And I admit, I have a few custom suits in my closet. But I also admit, to my horror, I noticed a few days ago that my talus bag that holds something pretty precious, pretty important spiritually, my talus, the bag is fraying. Now, I would never wear a frayed suit, custom or off the rack, and I'm sure I'd notice it right away. And here my talus bag's frayed. Probably has been for some time, and I didn't even notice it. I've got to correct that. Or consider this. You book a vacation. You pick the venue. You pick the hotel. Three stars, four stars, five stars. Maybe you can afford six or seven stars. And the room category. And you try to finagle an upgrade because it's your anniversary or your birthday. Who knows what? And then you pick and you book the activities. And then sometimes the light bulb goes off and you remember, oh, wait a minute, I should really check where's the closest synagogue so I can pray on vacation. And you find out, uh-oh, the closest synagogue's an hour away. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Well, why not first figure out where the synagogue is and then book the hotel? Now, I can't tell you that this always happens. I'd be lying. But at least in this one particular instance, right now, I'm in a hotel. I'm filming for my hotel room in South Florida. I'm down here for a few speaking engagements. And the closest synagogue, I'm proud to say, is five minutes away. Not a coincidence. I've had a long day. I am tired, but five minutes away, I hope to be there tomorrow morning.
לעצור, 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 לעצור. שלוש, שתיים, אחד, ו...
חמודים אתם. אז ילדים, בואו נעשה שמח! מי שמי שמי שנכנס הדר, מרבים 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 לשמחה. מי שמי שמי שנכנס הדר, מרבים 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 לשמחה. מי שנכנס הדר, מרבים לשמחה. מי שנכנס הדר, מרבים לשמחה.
J.M. in the A.M. It's Micha Gammerman with that Purim medley here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Shabbos Zachar is coming up. Reminder to everybody. I mean, I would assume that most people are in shul generally on Shabbos morning, but just in case it's not habitual for you or for some of the people in your life, make sure they know that the Torah reading tomorrow is a mitzvah from the Torah to hear and therefore... I would hope that everybody would use the opportunity to get to shul and to uh, participate in the beautiful services on Shabbos Parshas Tetzave, Shabbos Zohar. Uh Candle lighting at 529 in New York, 529. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And uh, Monday is Tanis Esther. Monday is the fast of Esther. Monday night. And Tuesday is Purim, Wednesday is Shushan Purim. We are, of course, your soundtrack 
every Erev Shabbos between the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek brought to you by our friends at Kedem and the Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by our friends at Kedem. But we're also your soundtrack on Purim, which means if you want to really enhance your um, Purim Suda and your Purim experience and the time you're spending in the car traveling around and distributing Mishloach Manos, etc., etc., um, if you want to enhance all of that time together with your family members as you travel and spend the day together, make sure to have us on here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network because all day long, amazing Purim music following an amazing Purim morning edition of JM in the AM. Uh, we're going to have our weekly update in a moment, and our weekly update this morning, obviously, I would assume, is going to focus on some of the things happening in Israel over the last couple of weeks. And it is with that in mind that we uh, remember Ilan Ganellis. Ilan Ganellis, a West Hartford native, who is, who is uh, his family is, um, our members rather, uh, at the uh, Israel of West Hartford under the leadership of Rabbi Brander. We've actually spoken to Rabbi Brander on the air about uh, the beautiful community up there. Uh, he was killed Monday in a shooting near uh, Yericho. And... Um, as much as all of these incredibly horrific episodes are always so painful, uh, obviously there's uh, an extra jolt for those of us from this area when it's somebody who grew up the way so many of our children grew up in the uh, Yeshiva League, as I like to put it, and then continued on to college in this area and a year in Israel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so to the Ganellis family, uh, our sincere condolences. And um, I, I would imagine the West Hartford community is uh, ripped apart by this uh, entire episode, and they should find some comfort as quickly as possible in the aftermath of this horrific murder in Israel. As uh, we uh, introduce the weekly update, I do remind you that to stay up to date on uh, so many things happening in Israel and the Jewish world, make sure to check out our friends at jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world and stay informed. It is so important, so vital to stay informed. Malcolm Honline is back in this country. He is the vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Last week, and this is a theme that I've been repeating over and over and over I feel it's important to really pound it into the heads and minds and hearts of listeners of all ages. While we were distressing in this area of the world over a day of hate last Friday and last Shabbos, we've gotten stark reminders that our brothers and sisters in Israel are surrounded by a day of hate every single day. And Malcolm, I'd like your reaction to that observation. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it raises a, a couple points. Number one, what Israel faces every day that the world doesn't appreciate and simply keeps tabs on the number of people who are killed, uh, always trying to show the imbalance when they never mention that 90% plus of those who are killed, aside from a few uh, of the, what you call collateral damage, it's unfortunate, but uh, people who who get caught in the in the midst of a, an exchange, uh, the, the the victims are, ta- are 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 terrorists, 
and people who are plotting events, who carried out attacks, barbaric attacks like the one against Elon, who, by the way, did not just go for a year in Israel. He, he enlisted in the IDF. He became a sergeant, he returned to go to college here and went to was visiting Israel to attend the wedding when he was um, brutally killed as were many others, when you think of the two sets of two brothers, one five and eight years old, or six years, seven years old, and the other, the two young guys in their early 20s from um, in Yeshiva Tezner, and the, the, the barbaric nature where you just drive up and kill people uh, at random is, uh, you know, is of, of such a severity, and yet you see nothing condemning it. You see, though, you don't see the kind of reaction. But warnings against Israel always even-handed, <clears throat> at best, that both sides should should stop the cycle of violence. When Israel is not engaged in a cycle of violence, it's responding to often organized, although usually described as lone wolves. They are hardly lone wolves. They're incited. They're part of of a system of hate that starts in the educational system, in their textbooks, in their parents' declarations of support for their kids dying as as martyrs and this tape of a, of a mother saying that the son came to her the day before and she said you think it's easy to be a martyr and she instructs him and then praises the fact that that she lost the son it tells you how sick this is and how how horrific and extremist uh, the influences are in palestinian society the ineffectiveness of the palestinian forces and the lack of coordination with Israel, which is now somewhat resumed after the meeting in Aqaba. Here, we are seeing a sharp rise of anti-Semitic attacks. It, it, uh, people have died, as we know, from Pittsburgh and Poway and elsewhere. But the, the uh, nature of the attack, it's not, uh, it, it, it's not of the same kind that Israel faces with state sponsors, with Iran and PA and others joining behind these attacks, and we can update some of the new situations that Israel faces on its northern border, southern border. We have to do much more to get prosecutions to make sure that the war on terrorism, and I spoke this week at a major conference in Israel, and I said, you know, we're spending into the nine figures in the United States on this, and we're losing the war. We have not won the war against Jew hatred. And we see the more widespread adaptation of, of many of the memes, the themes, the use of the Internet, the radicalization of populations, left, extreme left and extreme right. Right now, more from the right, they say. But the the event, uh, the, the day of hate, I don't think was ever intended to really put people on the street. I think it was meant to intimidate, to evoke the reaction that it did. Rightfully, we should take every threat seriously. But they were able to show how panicked the community became, how how uh, it could arouse this kind of of response and fear in the community. Yeah, well, I, I, it was effective. If that was the goal, it was effective because I, just in my small circle, know of people who avoided synagogue and had their children avoid synagogue because of last week. Remember a time, Malcolm, when it would be just the opposite? When, when when rumors like this would be spread around, obviously not at the speed of today, but rumors like this would spread around and people with Dafka make sure to go to shul and people with Dafka specifically make sure to take their kids with them and explain to their children the statement that they're making. It's, it's unfathomable to me that we've gotten to a point where people will keep their kids home from synagogue specifically for this reason, for this rumor that was flying around. And that people take off a yarmulke and don't, don't, 
practice and don't go to places uh, throughout the year. That children didn't go, I can understand. That adults didn't go, I don't understand. Because that's giving in to the threats and to the intimidation. Every shul should have security measures. Every Shabbos, not just for that, and every day. And we should, you know, how many years have I argued this on, on the show? And we created SCAN, we've created other groups, CSS, all these things that are now, I think it's the most, the, the one area where we've really advanced our activities the most and most effectively is that we have much more security and much more consciousness of security, uh, but much more needs to be done to assure that people have confidence and go to shuls. And rabbis should be speaking about it it's not to be irresponsible and it's not to say that we dismiss it, but if you give into it, if you cower to it, you only encourage it. Yeah. And I think the, you know, it's time for us to say, we're going to declare war on all Jew haters and Jew hatred. We're not going to allow judges and, and courts to dismiss when uh, people who engage in hateful acts against the Jewish community, we have to hold everyone to account. And that means on the legislative level, that means on the, on the actual judicial level, we have to do it when it comes to, public figures engaging it. Why, why can LVMH hire Bella Haddad as their spokeswoman for products, which many Jewish women buy and many other people who, who would reject anti-Semitism uh, purchase. And yet they have, they put up a billboard of her in, in LA. There's no consequence for them. There has to be every one of these issues. That's why the war on Ben and Jerry's was so important against Morningstar, yeah. against all these things. How about this one? How about that? And I know I'm skipping around because we got to get to the protests and some of the things that people really want to know about in terms of what's happening in Israel. But how, how about this one? How about when there's proof that Iranians are poisoning young girls to make sure they don't go to school and literally are putting them in a, in a, compre in a uh, compromising health situation? Maybe there we can get a condemnation from the UN. I, I know that it's important when you know people in Israel are, are going ahead and expressing their frustration about these, you know, random murders that are taking our brothers and sisters. But how about when we know when there's government-supported and government-sponsored poisoning of young kids, maybe we can get a U.N. condemnation? Well, first of all, it's a horrific thing that, that's happening. And the, uh, you know, the government, of course, has responded that they test, they don't, they're looking for it, they don't know how it happened. Everybody, they know very well, nothing like that happens in, in Iran without uh, some official involvement or knowledge, the, the, but it tells you how horrendous the society is, you know, the rape and torture of people who have been arrested and the public act, uh, declarations of this that, as a threat against those who participate in the demonstrations in Iran. And the, the, the fact still is that there's only one country that, you know, a, a country in the UN that calls for the destruction of another country at no price that it can get away constantly at the Human Rights Council and elsewhere with its, its violations, fundamental violations of human rights. The fact that 15,000 people sit in, in prisons and, and many facing execution for simply expressing their views and, and being part of the demonstrations. Where's the an outcry from, from the Europeans and others? I understand that they don't want to confront them on the, on the military level. and on the, I mean, I don't understand it because it's, it's now when you're enriching at 84%, which is 6% less than weapons grade, but really within reach. And a matter of, as was declared yesterday, when they started JCPOA, it was 12 years so they could do it. Now they say it's 12 days. Gosh. I mean, what, all the things we warned about. And now suddenly we, they're we, gathering in Washington to discuss it. <laughs> and, and now, right, we have to, all the cows have left the barn. Right. Now all of a sudden we're discussing how come they found particles. And, and each time Iran comes with an excuse, we've, we've found these things, the IEA 
International Atomic Energy Agency discovered all these things. They prevented their inspectors from going in, clear violation. They, they are uh, moving ahead, let alone their activities with, with Russia in, in the Ukraine, supporting the war, providing drones, all of their nefarious activities in, in the region. And yet, it, because it's a, a primarily targeting a Jewish state, although the UAE and Saudi Arabia and all of them have bore the brunt of, of their attacks as well, we don't see this kind of of, of response and, and organized effort to to address the, the most horrific regime on earth today. Perhaps yeah. it's not rational. Uh, let's talk about the, the. We'll start with the protests in Tel Aviv. There were complaints that water cannons, stun grenades, were being used against the protesters. I, I don't know what you do or don't know about the situation with Sarah Netanyahu. Did you feel the response by officials who were trying to you know, disperse crowds and get some order for what was going on there was unreasonable? Well, you have to know what they were doing to understand why, whether it was reasonable or not reasonable. When you take the incident of Sarah Netanyahu, that was outrageous. And I don't care whether you like her or dislike her or support Netanyahu or don't support Netanyahu, that she was in a, in a store, you know, a hairdresser or whatever, and to storm place and hold her under siege for hours is is really unacceptable it's not a, a legitimate expression of 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 condemnation for whatever move or whatever thing that the the government does and uh, I, I don't know whether the police who seem to have been handling everything very well till now they, you know when you have hundreds of thousands of people over weeks participating and i'm sure many of the weeks it was the same people who came out um, but they were peaceful there were hardly any manifestations or arrests uh, during the demonstrations, something that we all pointed to and said, you know, if other people gathered in America, you'd have looting, you'd have damage, you'd have many terrible things, which didn't happen until some of the demonstrations this week, which seemed to be getting out of hand. And and the police then uh, responded from the videos I saw, it did not seem that it was excessive. Uh, and uh, But it, it's hard to judge that unless you're on the scene and you see all of the what both sides and and what the provocations uh, were, but you know Israel has been very tolerant of the demonstrations. It's part of what democracy demands that people be allowed to express their views and and in responsible ways. And they demonstrated in many cities. They blocked the streets. The police allowed them to do it. Uh, not something that in many countries and, and places they they would be permitted permitted to do. Uh, so it's a very complicated thing, but I have to tell you, I'm very disturbed from what I saw about the rising tensions within society, the uh, you know the divisions, the deep divisions that exist. It's something that has been the one challenge to us throughout our history that um, did us the most damage. It wasn't the external enemies; it's internal disunity, and especially coming on on Purim up to Purim, where we saw that the antidote to Haman. And to all of his evil co-plotters was Esther's declaration, Lech Kenos has Yudim, go and gather all the Jews. She didn't say those in West or East Yushan. She said all of the Jews, because that's the way we respond to the challenges. And when people are pitted against one another like this, and when you see provocations and all signs that um, give excuses for people then to, to keep raising the anti and the, the public threats, the declarations of boycotts and all sorts of things, they have to think of the long-term consequences, that the world is watching every word of this, and the enemies of Israel pick up all of these declarations and will exploit them. 
I think there has to be far greater sensitivity, far greater efforts to to try to resolve these issues. And it can't be done by either side bulldozing their views, but by some sort of effort to, to negotiate. And if those, those who do not are willing to participate should be held to public account. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And by the way, while the Prime Minister's wife was getting her hair done, it's a good time to compare uh, countries, because what happens to a woman who exposes her hair in Iran? She certainly gets a haircut, that's for sure. Yeah, but, uh... yeah. And, and, and a whole bunch of other punishments. And by the way, one of the methods of protest now in Iran is for women to walk around with their hair exposed. I'm not endorsing... And to cut their hair publicly right. and to do other things as a, as a pointed demonstration. And many people ask me about this because, you know, it looks like the demonstrations have stopped. They have not. But they're getting less coverage, and they aren't as manifest right now as they were. Um, there is intimidation. There is greater police crackdown. But the demonstrations continue often at night, so they don't get the coverage but it can occur in many cities at the same time, and the the intention and the determination. You know, Iran. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago when we talked, I told you that the real had gone to five hundred thousand plus per dollar. This week it went over six hundred thousand. So their currency is worth nothing. They can't get basics. Their drought is killing them. So the internal situation is has so deteriorated, and the the causes for their initial demonstrations have been augmented, not diminished. And the, the fact that the, the West doesn't take advantage of, of this situation and supporting the people who are demonstrating, showing them more vocal support and more uh, practical support with um, funds for food, for basic things. I'm talking about weapons. We're talking about taking advantage of this moment in time when an Iranian regime, then whenever they have heightened domestic crises, they always turn to be more aggressive abroad. Well, in part, we see that in in Ukraine, where they, but that's par- primarily for financial reasons that they're selling stuff and building a drone factory in Russia and and enhancing their relationship because it it helps break their isolation with China with Russia primarily. Uh, that Iran, which is um, you know being hit by sanctions over and over again, the fact is they get an outlet when when they can bypass some of it. And by the way, I just want to tell you that the Russians are are. Recruiting Palestinians to fight in the Ukraine, and there are units being formed to to um, participate uh, in in the uh, Ukrainian in, in the conflict, also from uh, uh, also from Lebanon, um, uh, where we're seeing other activities, which I hope we can talk about. Pay, pay, the, paying them or recruiting them, looking for volunteers. Paying them, absolutely. It's it's a question of, of paying them. They pay much more than what they may make uh, otherwise. It, uh, they're recruiting them in in, um, in Lebanon, so they give them, I think, between three hundred and fifty dollars a month and more to to join the conflict. And many of them are unemployed. Uh, by the way, they're they're doing it amongst Fatah members, which is you know led by Abbas. And uh, so far, they say three hundred have completed the rapid training program. Which means that Russia is sending them out there to be fodder for the fire that um, uh, that they're, they're involved in, and the the we know that the Wagner Group even has recruited Palestinian fighters uh, from the uh, near the um, Latakia Air Base 
the uh, uh, what's it called the Khamenei air base in uh, in Syria. So we know that regular Syrian military units, which were supervised by Russia, uh, are being paid five to seven hundred dollars a month to go into the Ukrainian war zone. So and as and this all while Hezbollah is recruiting uh, some of their supporters to help Russia in in Ukraine. Again, not something the New York Times bothers to put on the front <laughs> page, which should be a major story and and does not get coverage. Well, the only benefit may be they'll concentrate less on uh, killing Israelis if they're going to go and uh, and fight for the Russians. All right, we got to talk about the quote-unquote revenge attacks. This is how the media portrays it, revenge attacks after these brutal murders uh, that you described of the brothers in both situations, of Elon Ganellis, the American citizen from Connecticut. First of all, I don't know what to believe. You know, there are people who are contacting me and saying that the money that's being raised to support uh, the Arabs that have been the target of these uh, uh, car and home burnings, uh, the money's being raised by Israelis. I really don't know if that's true or not. Maybe you could address that. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting uh, contact from people who are claiming that these scenes of destruction that we're saying that are being attributed to the revenge attacks are really like uh, junkyards that have been burnt out, you know, weeks ago or months ago, and now these images are are being distributed uh, with the impression that they have been, uh, you know, attacked by Israelis. And then, um, and then the protests in Tel Aviv that we just discussed—obviously not the revenge uh, uh, attack uh, topic, but just the the protests that are going on. Uh, people are telling me that it's a whole media creation. That you know, there's a couple of thousand people that are hitting the streets, and most other Tel Avivians couldn't care less what's going on. So, how do you know how to decipher what to believe, Malcolm? It is one of the challenges uh, of the day. Um, Look, there are aerial photos showing the demonstrations. They are quite large, and it's not a couple thousand people. Clearly, it could be the same people. And the question I have is who's paying for all of this? Where is the money coming from? Is there foreign involvement? Is there, are there is an organized effort? Because these demonstrations are expensive. You know, the, even mobilizing on an ongoing basis week after week. Uh, it, there is a, a degree of spontaneity. They issue a call and there are demonstrations. Uh, it does take a lot of money to do the ones in Jerusalem and when small groups gather all over the country. Uh, but And clearly the media wants to exploit it and uh, is using this a- against uh, the government, which they don't su- largely don't support because most of the media is left-oriented. Uh, but I, 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 there clearly is broad sentiment even though I think that there's a lack of understanding. And the reason I don't go into the details of it is because I don't understand it. And I've heard lectures about it and went to sessions discussing it. And I, but I know that the Labor Party wanted to do reforms to the, to the judicial system, that almost every government wanted to do judicial uh, reforms, that there is a general consensus that there's been an overreach by the Supreme Court <clears throat> over many years leading to the current circumstance. I can't say that the government has handled this in terms of PR in the best way or prepared the population or has addressed, you know, the people to, to reaffirm that this is not an attack on democracy, which was the initial theme that we heard, uh, when in fact there's no stronger democracy than Israel where people can just go out and demonstrate week after week and make their voices heard. And then it translates into uh, a government that was elected and a Knesset that was elected uh, as opposed to the Supreme Court, which is not elected, the um, uh, but but I think that this this the, the feeling is that this is being bulldozed through that they wouldn't have the kind of discussion and preparation 
and for a government that has many good communicators, I don't have a sense that they have been able to do this effectively. I heard very brilliant expositions by um, Ron Dermer and others on it, but it's not. I don't think it's a message that is commute, was communicated so that you prepare the groundwork for this and you try to build a consensus on it. Uh, I'm sure that there were reasons uh, for it, but uh, <clears throat> it's a very complicated issue. You know, I've heard legal experts on both sides uh, arguing uh, the implications, but to me, the great my great fear is both the internal damage and the, and the economic implications which I are very great. I, I mean, I, I said this last week. I keep thinking is that as they inevitably head more and more closer to compromise, hopefully that will stabilize things. Hopefully that will bring some peace. Or do you not have faith that that could lead to a more peaceful situation? Well, not everybody who's making these threats, businesses and others, most of them have, many of them have their money abroad anyway. Many of them have made these threats before years ago. Uh, and on the other hand, there are, uh, I know of cases of people who uh, have told me that they are going to move part of their operations abroad because they don't feel secure. The shekel obviously is reflecting uh, some of this, although generally inflation is impacting everybody. And um, but, don't but you... I, I do think this can all be corrected if, if there will be scars from all of this. Maybe it, it will vitalize Israeli democracy, get people to participate. You know, one can point to that and say, well, how many countries in the world allow this and, and have people so involved in, in, a, in a question like this? There are people who cannot accept the results of the election and will use this uh, to, to try and undo what happened at the ballot box. But do you think we're on our way to compromise? Like, are you hopeful that we really will get to at least uh, at least compromise on paper, even if there will be ill will and some, you know, and some <laughs> and some collateral damage that's, that's going to need to be addressed? The people have to demand that they have to show that there will be a cost if the opposition or the government doesn't move to resolve this issue that as the costs become more and more apparent and the fact that the United States government, you know, gets involved in other governments in the UN and, and, you know, I mean, getting involved in a domestic issue, it's, it's really uh, rare. And, um, you know, everybody could say, well, we're so close to Israel, you know, we're close to it. like a family of dug up bull. They they don't stand up that way when, when uh, other things involving Israel from a foreign perspective uh, arise and not so quick to, to join in, declarations. By the way, it doesn't stop the uh, amazing cooperation that's going on between Israel, the United States on the security areas and with um, with others, you know, the US and Israel signed another security supply deal uh, to this week. It's just it's really remarkable to see the extent of it uh, and uh, well, and so he... far not impact even the the accords, although yeah. one leader in the Arab world said to me that he was concerned about the stability of Israel. I got to get back That's to the revenge attacks in a second. But I mean, look, I mean, if they're really that close to weaponization, as you just described, and we're watching Iranian warships come to South America, you can imagine that the United States has no choice now but to be as cooperative as possible with Israel. Someone's going to have to step in and stop these guys eventually. Well, we also have to see why John Kerry was in Venezuela while warships are coming. No way. Iranian warships in Venezuela, coming to the coast of Venezuela. Why, oh what What discussions, when we talk about buying oil from Venezuela, do we not get the message that this is a, a, a proxy of Iran? And 
um, South America is, is a, a you know a parsha of its own, and we we should address it, especially this week. It's an important parsha. By the way, so the good news that you saw that in Israel they found for the first time a uh, two thousand five hundred year old um, inscription on a, a shard with the name of Darius. Amazing. Who was the father of King Achashverosh? Sure, <laughs> I always love when they first hold first time ever finding it in writing. I, and it was in Lachish, which was a center of per, during the Persian Empire as the rule in. in, uh, in you, you you know what I'm about to say, but I always love when they hold these announcements until Purim time, and they and they hold the, the Maccabee material until Hanukkah time. That's never, <laughs> never. They just found it. What are you talking about? But that's amazing. That really is amazing. Frankly, uh, as we continue to watch our history come alive. I got to go back to the revenge attacks for a second. I mean, can we assume that the images were, in fact, authentic, uh, that, in fact, Israelis did do damage um, to property, homes, and cars of Arabs? And it, by the same token, did you hear this rumor that the major fundraising campaign for these Arab villagers to help them recover financially were co- was coordinated by Israelis? That wouldn't surprise me at all, that the Israelis were outraged by it. And if you saw the images on Israeli television, uh, and of course got coverage all over the world, it it is outrageous. It should not happen. You can't let people take the law in their hands in any circumstance. I understand the outrage, and I understand how people feel, but that does not justify uh, ever taking the law into your own hands in that kind of a way. Sometimes if your house is under siege, you kill the person coming. That's legitimate self-defense. And uh, to stop, uh, you know, even, even uh, we're told in the Torah that you can stop somebody who's coming to kill you. Uh, but the, um, uh, but that the Israelis uh, would be raising money to to help rebuild in, in Harara, I think, is true because I've seen some of the appeals myself. Um, uh, but that, you know, that's a humanitarian response, humanitarian in quote, um, and the response images? to to the images and the things that they saw. How much of it is true? What was done before? What was done after? That's a job of people who were there and the people who covered it and the people, the police to, to put into context. There was none. This was thing was condemned immediately by everybody as it, sh- as it should be. Um, but we don't have you know, a detailed picture of, of what was and what wasn't uh, destroyed at that time. Whatever, it looked terrible right. and it was wrong. Uh, Erdogan must be very confident if he's not using the earthquake as an excuse to postpone the Turkish elections. Very surprising because most people predicted that he would. Uh, you know, about 20% of the country probably is going to be able to, to or be limited in their ability to participate. But I think he felt that maybe waiting things would get worse, not better for him. And that uh, moving it to uh, uh, going ahead on May 14th with the election, which went against almost every expert's prediction that I know, um, I don't know if it's a statement of confidence or that he will be able to do more <clears throat> while, you know, all of the attention is focused on the uh, earthquake to mobilize his people and to to try to assure a victory. It's not at all assured that in a free and open election that Erdogan would win again. Quite the opposite. Polls show he wasn't, although there hasn't been this kind of single uh, figure who could challenge him, like the mayor of Istanbul, the mayor of, of um, Ankara, one I'm already announcing, not going to run, um, uh, did in the past. Uh, you alluded earlier to activity or updates on both the northern and southern border. Can you do a minute on both, please? 
So we're seeing a lot more activity uh, on the northern border. Hezbollah has organized Syrian citizens um, and formed dozens of cells on the Syrian border in cooperation with both the, um, Iran and, and Syria in Syria. They want to create a new front on, on terrorism. They use the Syrian outposts. They, they're, these are Sunni and Druze operatives, most of them doing it because they're getting paid uh, from it, but it goes uh, all across the border down to the triangle of the borders of Israel, uh, Jordan, and Syria. Uh, and the, uh, many of these troops have been already deployed. And as I said, that we're seeing um, uh, other groups that are active in in uh, in Syria, in 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 the uh, Syrian area, um, Iran, <coughs> Russia, I'm sorry, has withdrawn some of its troops, and they're replacing them, in, often in many cases, by these kind of Hezbollah operatives with the backing of of Iran. So this is uh, there's, there's no diminution of the threat in uh, both places. You know, Lebanon is in total collapse. The economy, uh, the, their currency, is almost worthless. It's, um, you know, and that always is a breeding ground for extremists and people and why Russia can recruit in, in Lebanon people to come and fight, fight in the Ukraine because, you know, they're offering them money. The, uh, <clears throat> in the south, we saw the uh, rocket uh, fire and Israel's response. It's been relatively quiet, but it doesn't mean that they're not organizing and that the stockpiling of, of missiles and weapons doesn't continue. Uh, Hamas um, is, sees opportunities whenever there's instability in Israel or in the region. So the the fronts and and of course on the Jordanian front we see Jordan um, less cooperative um, and you know, more vocal in its criticisms uh, of Israel. Uh, this is you know it's Israel made an all-out effort. The meeting at Aqaba was um, successful to some degree in the fact that you have Palestinian-Israeli cooperation renewed. And, you know, they, they walked out of the meeting, uh, at least, uh, well, still being critical but, but of Israel, but they were, but there were the fact that they all sat together and, and started to, to, um, to address some of the concerns together is important. It, it wasn't, I think, the breakthrough that some people uh, were hoping for, but it was a step in the right direction. Uh, I hate to wrap up our conversation like this, Malcolm, but I'm sure after I read this, you'll say to me that uh, it's better the truth is exposed than anything else. The Darius inscription discovered at the site of the biblical city of Lachish last December and revealed to the public Wednesday is not authentic, according to the Israel Antiquities Authority. They made this announcement today. Uh, apparently, somebody who was giving a tour uh, was showing their students an example of how um, uh, of what it looked like when there was writing on a shard of pottery, demonstrating to the students and illustrating how pottery was inscribed in ancient times. So unfortunately, that goes as a fake. But hey, it's a Purim prank. It's one of those uh, vinahapohus. What's the difference if it's real or not? It's a good story. <laughs> it's certain. And, and the fact that Darius, I mean, they had to be pretty good to be able to take the uh, course. This went under scrutiny for several months. And, yes, and there were December. reports, there were some people who doubted the authenticity of it, but they put out a release. The, the uh, Israel Antiquities Authority put out a statement this week about it. Well, they have a, so, new, they have a new release today. <laughs> they, they have a new story. And, and again, though, everybody will say this is part of an Israeli plot to try and claim the, the heritage. And, and uh, we go back further than that. There have been other things discovered, which we'll talk about maybe in the coming weeks, which uh, predate actually 
the, the Darius period, talking about the development of Hebrew, um, finding uh, probably predating now the existence of Hebrew by a thousand years. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, next week, I'm not 100% sure about my schedule. I'll let you know and let the listeners know uh, after Purim, please God. Thank you so much, Malcolm. It's Shabbos Zohar. Have a wonderful pre-Purim Shabbos and a wonderful holiday of Purim. Well, you, the question is whether you'll be sober by Friday, right? <laughs> some, <laughs> might anyway, su- some might suspect a, that that's the issue, but we'll see. Have, a, have a great Shabbos and a great uh, thing. And I want to give again a Mazel Tov to Leia Honline and Avrami Garden House because they've worked this, this Sunday. They've got engaged and should only have simple. Oh, what are you serving? I may come over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Malcolm, of a wonderful Purim. And yes, it's only a scheduling problem. Malcolm's alluding to the fact that it could be a uh, a, a drinking situation. No, 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 no. God forbid. Just not 100% sure about the about the second half of next week in our schedule here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's Parshas Tetzave with candlelighting time in New York at 529. Again, New York is 529. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's also Erev Shabbos Zachar. Important to be in shul tomorrow, everybody. Mitzvah from the Torah to hear the reading of uh, Parsha Zachar, so make sure to be in synagogue. And uh, enjoy Shabbos Zachar leading up to Tanis Esther, the fast of Esther on Monday. Monday night, Tuesday, Purim. Wednesday, Shushan Purim. Lots of excitement, please, excuse me, lots of excitement and please God, peaceful celebration for the worldwide Jewish community over the next few days. Please God. Please, God. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Tetzaveh. Parshas Tetzaveh, according to the Chinuch, contains seven mitzvos four positive and three restrictions. And tomorrow, Mirz Hashem, we have the privilege of reading Parshas Zohar. We take out two Sifrei Torah, and from the second Sefer Torah, we read the last three psukim of Parshas Kiseitse, and according to our Chachamim, the reading of Parshas Zohar tomorrow is a biblical mitzvah, meaning that each and every Shabbos when we read the Torah, that is a rabbinic mitzvah. The rabbis told us that the Jewish people are not to go three days without Torah Monday morning. Thursday morning, Shabbos morning, and Shabbos afternoon as well. And the reading of the Torah is a mitzvah from the rabbis. Here, the Torah itself mandates Zohar to remember what Amalek did to the Jewish people when we left Egypt. And the paragraph ends with the two words, lo sishkach, don't forget. So why is it necessary to write, remember, and don't forget? So our rabbis come to teach us that the word zahor is not sufficient 
if a person remembers with their mind, but rather they have to articulate. And the last two words of Lo Sishkach, don't forget, that refers to literally one's heart, one is to harbor in one's heart a hatred for Amalek. And this hatred, as the Torah tells us, is Timcha, Zecher Amalek. It is that we are to eradicate the remembrance of Amalek. And this is understood by our rabbis on two levels. The first level is a literal level, that we are to blot out the uh, people of Amalek, namely those people that have as their raison d'etre, their very purpose of life. Their constitution says we want to obliterate the Jewish people, the Jewish state, such as Iran and others that have this as their mantra. So Timcha Zechra Molek. But our rabbis teach us, and I strongly recommend that you look at the Rashi on the second verse, Asher Korcha, who chanced upon you, and Rashi brings three interpretations as to what Amalek did to the Jewish people. That will help us understand that Amalek is not only a people, but it's also a philosophy of life, which amuses Hashem. If we have a little bit of time, I'll try to come back to and elaborate thereon. There is an interesting machlokas between the chinuch and the minchas chinuch as to whether or not women are obligated in this mitzvah. According to the chinuch, he connects the first pasuk of Zohar with the last pasuk of Timcha, of obliterate. And since women do not go to war, therefore, he says that women are not obligated in the mitzvah of uh, Parshas Amalek, Parshas Zohar. The Minchas Chinuch says, how do you know that these two mitzvahs, the positive of remembrance and the restriction of Lo Tishkach, don't forget, how do you know, and the restriction of killing them out, how do you know that this is, that they are interrelated? And therefore, the Minchas Chinuch says that women are obligated, and therefore, women, if they can go to Shul to hear Pasha Zohar, they should definitely make an effort to so do. <clears throat> now, I'd like to uh, go in order and discuss the forthcoming holiday of Purim to understand that we read Parsha Zohar on the Shabbos before Purim because Haman HaRasha in the Megillah is called Haman HaAgogi. He is a descendant of Agag who appears in the Haftorah, that as soon as Shaul becomes king of Israel, Shaul is given the opportunity to fulfill the 
biblical mitzvah of Timcha Ezechar Amalek, unfortunately, he does not do the complete job, and as a result of that, he loses his melucha, his kingship. Okay, now, Emir Hashem, we go to this coming Monday, which is Tanis Esther. We fast on Tanis Esther, number one, to recall that as we find in the Megillah, the Jewish people fasted and davened, which is the primary purpose of the fast, prior to Esther's going to the Melech Achashverosh. And interestingly, the Rambam, in his introduction to his counting and enumerating the mitzvos in his Yad Chazaka, says that mitzvos, which are Durabanan, have a source in the Torah. And where is the source for uh, Purim in the Torah? Interestingly, make a note of this if you can write in Devarim, fifth book of the Torah, chapter 4, verse 7. Wow. Umi kimi goi godol. Who is such a great nation? Ashalowelukim krovim a love that has this close personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kashem Elokeinu, Bechol Koreinu, a love. Our calling to Him, He responds. So Purim, while we are busy in the four mitzvahs of the day, which we'll address in a moment, Purim is a Yom Tefillah. Oh, it's a day that reminds us that our prayers are effective and there is, quote, somebody listening, and not only listens, responds to our prayers. Others say that the reason we fast on Tanis Esther, the 13th day of Adar, this was the day that when Haman drew his lots, it came out that he would, God forbid, exterminate the Jews, annihilate the Jews on the 13th of Adar, as we are taught at the end of the Megillah, the day became literally turned around and we were given permission to defeat our enemy and listen carefully, we're taught in the ninth chapter of the Megillah that we killed out 75,000 of Haman's supporters, our enemy, and we did not lose a man. And I remember my Rebbe, Ravaran Kreiser, Sechron Levracha, pointed out and said to me, Binyamin, that's a miracle. We didn't lose a man. And to demonstrate that it's not we who were the fighters, Yes, we went through the motions, but it was HaKadosh Baruch Hu who brought us this incredible victory. We showed that we did not eat on the day that we went to war. Counterintuitive. You would think that the soldier should eat a 
big breakfast, Wheaties. No, we fasted to demonstrate that the victory comes from Hashem and doesn't come from us. Those who can fast this Monday, healthy people should fast. If someone cannot fast, they should not fast. Pregnant and nursing women do not have to fast. Tanis Esther. Okay, this coming Monday evening, prior to the reading of the Megillah, there is a minog in Klai Yisrael that we give Zecher the Maxis Hashekel. We give a remembrance of the Maxis Hashekel, the half denomination of whatever currency a person finds himself. In the United States, the primary currency is the dollar. So we give three half dollars, as the word truma is found three times in Parshas Kisisa, next week's Shabbos reading. And the idea is one picks up these three half dollars. They're found in every Beisach Knesses. One lifts them up, it becomes yours. You put them down and you say Zecher, a remembrance of the Machtis HaShekel, that please God, soon, soon, we'll all be able to give in order to facilitate the communal korbanos. And the custom is one gives tzedakah at that time, accompanying the giving of the Zecher, the Machtis HaShekel. Okay, Emes Hashem coming Monday night and Tuesday. We have the mitzvos of Purim. And number one comes the reading of the Megillah this coming Monday night and Tuesday. Now, the obligation of hearing the Megillah is on men women, even though technically speaking it's a positive mitzvah which is governed by time and therefore women should be exempt. But the Gemara teaches us in Megillah that women are obligated in this mitzvah as well because they too were included in the miracle. Either this is to be understood that the decree of Haman was Lashmid Larog Ula Abed to God forbid destroy men, women and children, and therefore they too are obligated in the recitation of or the hearing of we'll get to that in a moment of the Megillah. And the idea is that the Megillah itself is one, Pursume Nisa, publicizing the miracle of God orchestrating all the different events that take place uh, in the Megillah. And the idea is that the Megillah is a form of Hallel that we 
say thank you. We don't say Halilam Purim. And the Gemara gives three reasons. And one of the reasons is that Kriyasa Zuhi Lula, that the very reading of the Purim story is a form of Halil saying thank you to Hashem. In order to understand that, we have to appreciate that before we read the Megillah, we recite three blessings. The first one is a Mikra Megillah, that we are going to read and fulfill the rabbinic mitzvah of reading the Megillah. The second Sha'asa Nisim, that God performs miracles for our people by Amim Ahim in yesteryear, at this time. And the third bracha is thanking Hashem for bringing us to thank God another Yom Tov. The second bracha, Sha'asa Nisim, is basically reminding us while one could look at each of the ten chapters of the Megillah and say each one is a quote, just so happens, just so happens chapter one that the king got drunk, just so happens and gets rid of the queen. Chapter two, we need a new queen, a beauty contest, Esther happened to be an attractive woman. And we go on and on through the ten chapters of the Megillah Where's the miracle? The idea is that we should realize before we start and as we read that all the different happenings throughout the Megillah, all this is being orchestrated by HaKadosh Baruch Hu every step of the way and therefore it's a reminder to us, a living recognition of that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not just the Creator, but He is the one who literally pulls all the strings that happens to us individually and collectively as a people. Women, according to the uh, Shulchan Aruch, are obligated to hear the Megillah and therefore, and not to read the Megillah. Now, very clearly, that simply means if a woman can, she should hear the reading of the Megillah in the synagogue together with the men, because at that time, they're going to he- hear the Megillah from someone who is obligated to read it. If a woman cannot come to shul, so the Megillah is read for her at home. If women cannot come at the time that the Megillah is read in the shul, a separate reading is done for them. But at that time, the blessing is the Shmoa, to hear the Megillah as opposed to Al Mikra Megillah. The reading of the Megillah by day is more important than the reading of the Megillah by night. It doesn't mean that you should avoid the Megillah by night, and you shouldn't say to yourself, at least I heard it at night, but according to the, our rabbis, the reading of the Megillah at night is Mit Rabbanon, a mitzvah from the rabbis, and the meeting, reading of the Megillah by day is a fulfillment of a mitzvah from Medivre Kabbalah, meaning from the prophets. If one cannot be in shul for the reading of the Megillah, they should contact their rabbi 
to please make sure that the Megillah can be read for them at home or the different times to accommodate and everybody should please God be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Mikra Megillah. The Megillah can be read, is read, Monday night the entire night and on Tuesday the entire day. In addition to the mitzvah of reading the Megillah, there are three other mitzvahs which apply to Purim day and they are the following. One, Matonos Evionim, that the Talmud teaches us that the poor aspire and anxiously await the reading of the Megillah, knowing that as we are taught in chapter 9 in the Megillah, Matonos Evionim, giving gifts of charity to the poor, to at least two poor persons, is a way of our demonstrating our simcha, our joy. The Jew does not celebrate just by himself and his immediate family. He celebrates with others. And therefore, every Jewish man and woman is obligated to give money or food to at least two poor persons, right? Now, if there are no poor people available that you know, then speak to your Rav, he will be able to have the money distributed to the poor on Purim. Or if not, then put it aside and you'll give it to poor people afterwards. But you should designate and separate this money for the poor on um, Purim. In addition to Matonos, the Evionian of monetary gifts to the poor, there is the obligation, the mitzvah of Mishloach Monos, which means that we are to send to at least one person two different varieties of food. And the idea is two reasons. Number one, to increase friendship. Haman accused the Jewish people of being separate and not concerned one for another. So we demonstrate our concern by sending gifts and secondly to make sure that um, everybody has enough food for their Purim Su'uda, the last of the four missiles, which is the festive meal that we eat on Purim Day. And therefore, I can tell you that if you only are going to be sending one Mishloach Manos, or try to send one, not just of a uh, piece of pastry and a bottle of wine, that would be saying, I wish you can come to my meal, I just cannot have you at my table, here is an extension of my dessert. Otherwise, if you can, send to at least one person a piece of meat, chicken, a piece of kugel, basically giving them a meal. It's an extension of your meal. But be it as it may, all one has to do is give one mishloach manos. If one gives more, it is certainly better, increasing our concern and care one for another. Finally, the Purim Su'uda, which is held during the day, 
uh, sunset this coming Tuesday is approximately six o'clock. So one should start their meal well in advance that you're not starting it right before sunset, but start at least an hour before that a good part of the meal should take place on the day of Purim. We're all aware that there is a mitzvah to drink more than one usually does on Purim day then and at the meal of Purim not um, the mitzvah is not to forgive me get drunk and we have to train and teach our children the proper way of observing Purim and to understand what is the true spirit of the day and God forbid not only are we saying one should not drink, quote, and drive, chas but more important, to drink in a fashion that's going to bring out, God forbid, the worst in us, that is contrary to the very day of Purim. So please, it's very important that parents uh, instruct and direct their children that we are to appreciate and celebrate this day, but to do it in the proper fashion. I just want to conclude with one very important Rashi on the reading of Pasha's Zohar, Mitzvah tomorrow, that the Torah describes Elukim, that he did not fear God. Who's the he? So. The, you could read the text in the Pasuk to think that refers to the Jewish people. However, Rashi tells us, no, no, no. V'lo Lukim refers to Amalek. Wait a minute. Which yeshiva did Amalek go to that he should have learned oh, that he is to be God-fearing? And the answer is each and every Jew. God gave to Noah seven basic mitzvot, and the first two of those seven basic mitzvot are the prohibition of idolatry, to recognize that there is Hashem in this world, and to birkas Hashem, to have respect, reverence for God. So the idea is that we recognize our responsibility is the sakain olam b'malchus shakai. Our responsibility is to make this world a better world. A Malik, unfortunately, who says it's all a hefker, this world is a freedom, meaning there's no one in charge. He's the antithesis of Yorei Elohim. And therefore, it's so important that we should be proud of our mission in this world, making this world a better world, being our partners with God in the process, and to remember, Timcha Ezechar Amolek. We do it literally in the right time with Mashiach when he comes to lead us in war against Amolek. That is one way, but by teaching our children right from wrong, that's an additional form of I take this opportunity of wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos. Enjoy, and Emir Hashem, enjoy the mitzvot of the day of Purim. Shabbat Shalom to all.
David Gabe with an appropriate selection on this Erev Shabbos Zachar. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting in New York, 529. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's JM and the AM on a Friday morning broadcast with uh, the Erev Shabbos show. Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem coming up at 10 o'clock Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Hey, good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, era of Shabbos. A big shout-out to our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman did it again. They made sure I had an incredible and amazing and delicious Thursday night dinner. I was at Aaron's Casino Farms. Saw the beautiful A&H display, the provisions section of uh, Aaron's. Grabbed a couple of Knockworth packages and had just the most delicious and incredible Thursday night dinner imaginable. <laughs> you know, Thursday night could be a week W-E-A-K night for dinner. No, no, no. Not when you have the knockwurst from A&H. Tossed it into a, a couple of hot dog buns over there. I, uh, I covered it with some delicious uh, relish and ketchup. Yeah, last night was relish and ketchup and enjoyed it. Want a 10% discount uh, on all A&H products? Go to kosherdogs.net and make sure to use promo code radio. And this Purim, as you prepare your Purim suit, to make sure you give your family plenty of A&H. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Time to say good job. It's with Journeys at Jam in the AM.
to say good job is Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world web at AlchemSingle.com on the AlchemSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM&AM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Have a wonderful Shabbos Zachar, a fantastic Tanis Esther on Monday, and, of course, a great holiday of Purim Monday night. And Tuesday, we are here for the entire thing. That's right. Please, God, I'll be with you Monday, uh, Tuesday. Not only do you have me for a Purim morning edition of JM in the AM, but then you have an incredible day of your Purim soundtrack all day long on the Nachum Siegel Network to enhance your Suda and enhance your Purim experience. And um, just plenty of great programming. Don't forget, Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos show starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning here, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. 
Don't forget that. Uh, don't forget that Dematis has JM Sunday this coming Sunday. And uh, don't forget, coming up next, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. A brand new edition of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is next. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Until next time, Nachman Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.